The sacred writings of the Baha'i Faith teach that music is a ladder for the soul. My name is Jack Gordon, host of Interfaith-ish, and for our ongoing series of conversations that I'm calling Soul Ladder Music, I invite you to climb with me to higher planes of enlightenment and inspiration, as we hear songs and stories from a diverse array of musicians who connect sound and spirit. Multilingual, multicultural, multi-instrumentalist, Shada Payman is a polymath who is as comfortable discussing abstract mathematics as she is playing bossa nova. The former artist in residence at the Strathmore Music Center performs under the name Doa and has recently released her album Higher Grounds, which features songs in Spanish, English, and her native Albanian. But I first met Doa as a member of the DC Baha'i community. In our conversation, Doa and I talk about what inspired her to beautifully blend the holy writings of her faith with her love of Latin music and jazz, how she defines sacred music, and what she's learning as a young band leader. Enjoy my interview with Doa. Esse que era aconteceu, mas não sei o que fez. Tudo mudou de vez. Onde foi que errei? Eu só sei que amei, que amei, que amei, que amei. Será talvez que minha ilusão foi da minha coração. Tudo da força para essa moça me fazer feliz. E o destino não quis me ver como raiz. De uma flor de lis E foi assim que vi Nossa mão na poeira, poeira Morto na beleza fria de Maria E o meu jardim da vida Ressacou, morreu Do pé que brotou Maria Nem Margarida nasceu E meu jardim da vida Ressacou, morreu Do pé que brotou Maria Nem Margarida nasceu One of the things I wanted to start off with with you is is just to hear about what your relationship was with music growing up and, and what was the music that you listened to in your household. So my mother is a classical pianist. She studied at the Berlin Conservatory and music was something that penetrated our lives from when we were still in her womb. She would sing the whole time. When wow. we were born, she would sing us to sleep. Um, I remember as a child always waking up to classical music. My mom would always turn on classical music and she would mm. always sing for us when we went to bed. So I was definitely surrounded by music 24 hours a day. A lot, a lot of it was classical music, but I also grew up um, hearing a lot of Albanian music actually and a lot of traditional folk music from Albania, especially uh -huh. at different Baha'i gatherings actually after the gatherings. There was one friend of ours who would oftentimes just bring out his guitar and start singing and everybody would join in. And that's how I kind of learned a lot of the Albanian folk music. And I think that's maybe one of the reasons why I also love singing that type of music, because it's just like the nostalgia of being a child, you know, 
and sitting all together and hearing stories from the older generation. So yeah. those are the two main types of music that I think of when I think of my childhood. I did also, funnily enough, go to a primary school that was created by two British ladies who moved to Albania in the 90s. And they taught us a lot of English, Scottish and American songs, some random Scottish songs that when I then ended up going to Edinburgh to study, my Scottish friends were like, how do you know this song? <laughs> I grew up with some random songs too. What you've described in terms of your mixed background uh, musically also relates to some of your mixed heritage culturally. So um, I think it would be great to hear a little bit about where your family's from and where you grew up and how are those things connected and how does that connect to your religious tradition as well? Yes. So my parents grew up in Germany and Italy, respectively. My mom is half German, half Iranian, grew up in Germany. Mm -hmm. My father is fully Iranian, but he grew up in Italy. And they moved to Albania in 91, right after communism fell. Um, they moved to Albania to help establish a Baha'i community there. And the Italian Baha'i community at the time was responsible for sending pioneers to Albania. So they were living in Italy at that time. And they actually moved to Albania on a ferry with 3,000 refugees who were sent back to Albania. And my parents were the only foreigners, the only ones going the other way. Oh, so, wow. yeah, the, the first few years were definitely not the easiest. There wasn't really much food. There wasn't really, my parents didn't get a coupon to get like portions of food because the government didn't know what to do with them since they were one of the only foreigners, I think, there. So uh -huh. it was definitely hard, but I'm so grateful that they moved there. And I actually consider myself Albanian. People always joke that my brother and I are more nationalistic and patriotic than most other Albanians. <laughs> but it's kind of true. I mean, that's where I grew up. That's my home. You mentioned your, your family is uh, in part Iranian. Your father's Iranian and your, your mother's half Iranian. So yes. um, the Baha'i faith comes from Iran. And for folks who don't really know about the Baha'i community and this idea, you mentioned this term pioneering. Yes. Um, can you explain a little bit uh, just for context. Basically, the Baha'i community in Albania was very small. So Baha'is in Italy were encouraged to move to Albania to help establish a community, to help talk to Albanians about these new teachings that the Baha'i faith has brought. And to, yeah, to just create a community of people who share these same beliefs and try to make the world a better place through their actions and, and their thoughts. In addition to doing uh, jazz standards and your own compositions, you've set some of the Baha'i writings to music in a number of different languages. So I, I wanted to, to understand your take on, on, for you, what defines Baha'i music? That, that, that's a tough question. Um, I've actually been thinking about this a lot because I feel like humans always tend to put things into boxes. Uh -huh. And I think it's also very common with talking about music and talking about genres and talking about religious music or secular music or different types. And for me, the fundamental thing about it is about your genuine intention of what you're trying to bring across. And I mean, from the from the melody or from the music or genre perspective, I personally think that 
any type of music or most types of music can be considered Baha'i music. Um, if obviously mm. like the lyrics, for example, are based on the Baha'i writings. But I do think that oftentimes we either judge or are just surprised to hear a certain type of genre used for Baha'i music. I, I can talk about that because I feel like I was one of those people myself. <laughs> I grew up thinking that Baha'i music was a certain type of music because that's the music that I had heard. And what and was actually, that? More like European, like acoustic guitar, singer, songwriter, you uh -huh. know? Um, and that's all I had heard and I thought it was lovely. But then when I traveled, when I started traveling and started seeing different types of Baha'i music, like for example, in certain countries, I haven't been to Africa, but when I heard a lot of music from African Baha'is or from South American Baha'is with all the different rhythms and all the different drumming and clapping, that is, it kind of, for some Europeans, for example, it actually makes them wonder, because I've had these conversations, it makes them wonder, what well, is this sacred? Is it okay for somebody to play a Baha'i song and clap to it? Isn't that mm. not okay? You know, because coming maybe from a classical perspective or from a different type of perspective where being reverend means something else, that's what they, what they think. And so for me, that was a moment where I realized in the end, it's very cultural. It, it really depends on what worship is like for the culture where you live in. And yeah. for some cultures, something that for some cultures might be okay, might be completely not okay for other cultures. So I, I know I spoke a lot, but bottom line, I think it's very personal, very cultural. And in the end, I think the most important thing is the genuine intention behind it. Did you grow up um, as a as a youth feeling like you yourself were very religious, that you were connected to this religion and had a strong identity as, as a Baha'i? Yes, I, I did. Yeah. Very and much. Is that, how, how have you evolved in that in your, in your life as, as an adult? Do you feel like that relationship has changed in any certain qualities? Definitely. It has changed a lot because becoming an adult, I realized that a lot of things that, because a lot of things in the Baha'i faith, obviously, are the word of God or the word that we believe is sacred. But everybody reads something and has their own interpretation of what it means, right? Mm -hmm. And so I feel like a lot of things that I maybe thought meant a certain thing, I realized where those things because of the people that I grew up around, you know? So I thought, okay, this is how Baha'is are supposed to do this because everybody around me who was a Baha'i did it that way. But then I realized when I became older that in the end, I had to be the one to reread everything and decide what this means to me, right? So it became a lot more um, of a personal relationship between me and, and God and the Baha'i faith rather than through my family and friends in a way. It's interesting to hear then that parallel uh, of that understanding of your relationship um, with your own spiritual growth and and your perception of music and what what yeah, qualities are that's, there. Yeah, that's music. true. I think that was a, a part of it, definitely.
Eres mi lámpara y mi luz está en ti Tú eres mi lámpara y mi luz está en ti Obtén de ella tu resplandor y no busques, no busques oh, Obtén de ella tu resplandor y no busques Tú eres mi lámpara y mi luz está en ti Tú eres mi lámpara y mi luz está en ti Obtende a tu resplandor y no busques, no busques, oh, obtende a tu resplandor y no busques a nadie sino a mí, nadie sino a mí, a nadie sino a mí, nadie sino a mí, a nadie. Pues Starting to talk about some of the songs that are on your album, um, one of uh, uh, the beautiful songs that's there is, is, is called Lampara. Um, could you explain a little bit about what the text of that is? It's in Spanish, um, yes. so could you translate it for, for our listeners? Yes, so the words in English are, Thou art my lamp and my light is in thee. Get thou from it thy radiance and seek none other than me. And The, every time I sing this quote or this this piece of writing, I always think about this idea because lampara basically means lamp in Spanish. And I always think of this idea of all of us having a lamp or a light within us. And no matter what period of life we're in, no matter how we're feeling, no matter what is going on around us, I think it's our responsibility to share this light with the rest of the world. And I always hope that when I sing this song and explain it, people get inspired into action and get inspired and realize that they all do have this light within them, even if they might not believe so, or even if people around them don't believe so. You're singing in Spanish in this song. Um, do you speak Spanish? Not really. <laughs> I'm trying <laughs> I'm trying to learn. I speak Italian. My husband speaks Spanish, so I'm trying to to learn. I understand quite a bit, though, because it's very similar to Italian. Right. Yeah. So, what what is the feeling that you have when you're when you're singing in in a foreign language, in a language particularly that isn't your your native tongue? You know, I've never really thought about it because, for some reason, I've always been just drawn to music in Spanish. I don't know oh, why. Okay. Yeah, and Portuguese. So I sing a lot of bossa nova and samba music as well in Portuguese. And I it's funny because I never really think about the fact that it's a different language. Maybe because I grew up speaking four languages at home. So for me, it's I subconsciously don't even think that I'm speaking a different language. So my relationship <laughs> to language is a bit strange. <laughs> <laughs> was it clear to you that you, when you were thinking about doing your arrangements, um, did this one just pop out fully formed that you knew you wanted to do it in this this Latin style yes, uh, for this yes, particular yes, yes. writing? Yes. Tell, tell me about that process. How? What? What was the 
the inspiration and the feeling to take this particular quote and, and translate it in this way uh, musically? So I was just reading the quote and was inspired. You know, when I write music, I usually just sit down with my guitar and the music just comes to me. I don't know how to explain it. It's, I guess, inspiration in a way, but the whole thing just comes, you know, and then it's there. <laughs> and when it came to me, I, yeah, I just felt like it had to be this Latin vibe type thing. That's just how it, how it came. Oh, mi Dios, oh, mi Dios, une los corazones de tus siervos, de tus siervos, y revelale tu gran propósito. Oh, mi Dios, oh, mi Dios, une los corazones de tus siervos, de tus siervos, y revelale tu gran propósito. Que sigan tus mandamientos. Y se atengan a tu ley, ayúdale, oh Dios, en sus esfuerzos. Y confiérele fuerza para servirte. Oh, oh Dios, oh Dios, no los abandones a sí mismos, sino guía su paso con la luz de tu conocimiento. Unidad is another is another song that's in in Spanish. It's on your album. Again, can you t share a little bit about the 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 writing that's there and why you chose um, that text? Yeah. So moving to the U.S. has been a very interesting experience for me, and especially the whole topic of race has been something that that I didn't grow up with at all, actually, and so. Mm coming here has been a huge learning experience. And I think one of the reasons why I was inspired to put a prayer in my album for unity was, was this. And um, yeah, I, I don't know why I decided to do it in Spanish again, but yeah, I think that that was one of the reasons why I was thinking about that topic in particular a lot. What would have been some of your experiences coming as a as a foreigner to to the u.s and and sort of the education i can't remember is is dc the first place that you moved to in the u.s no so so actually i moved to the u.s because of music i went i finished my bachelor degree in scotland in mathematics and then i was going to go to germany to do my master's but then last minute went to this amazing jazz workshop in italy that was the first time I was really introduced to jazz and I absolutely fell in love. It was the best week of my life. Wow. Um, and I just was so, so inspired. And my teacher, one of the, the teachers all came from the new school in New York. And okay. so one of my teachers encouraged me to move to New York and apply to the new school. So my parents were very supportive. I basically ended up buying a one way ticket, moved to New York two weeks later and a few months later actually ended up moving to Boston because I went to Berkeley College of Music for a semester. But my first stop in the US was Harlem. So I really, really wanted to move to America and learn jazz from the people who created it. That was my number one goal. I think I heard you tell an anecdote um, in one of your other presentations where you were um, 
just talking about how you first encountered uh, jazz, and it was it, it was at the workshop in in Italy. Was, was the first time that you did it, or it had something yes. to do with being in Albania as well? Yes. That, so I was going to mention this earlier, actually. Well, the very very first thing is that. My mom would always joke as a, when I was younger, she would say, Shada, you know, like, I always knew you're going to be a jazz musician one day because you have this, like, um, raspy, like, low voice. And she was like, <laughs> when you were a baby and in the hospital, like, you were a newborn and you had to go do some vaccination or something and all the babies were in one room. And I knew exactly which baby you were because all the babies were crying. Wah, wah, and you were crying. <laughs> he's <laughs> like from that moment i knew um, but then after that moment we actually had this one cd that a friend of ours brought us i think in the early 90s or or early 2000s i don't remember which was a cd of brazilian bossa nova music by toquinho a brazilian artist but it was his version of the songs in italian um and i grew up that's the, the one part of information I forgot. But I grew up with that CD as well. And I think that's where kind of the spark for this type of music was was born for me. Because every time we had people over, we would play that album in the background. And that was, yeah, that was jazz music in a way, you know. And that was kind of the one thing that I was exposed to. So I think when I went to the jazz workshop, I just, I don't know. I, I was just so excited and and. That's when, like, all that spark, you know, became a huge fire. Quem já passou por essa vida e não viveu Pode ser mais, mas sabe menos do que eu Porque a vida só se dá pra quem se deu Pra quem amou, pra quem chorou, pra quem sofreu back to this this theme of having your eyes open to you know the particular issues around racial justice that that you see here in the US what what are things that you were aware of before coming to the US and and now that you've lived here a few years what what uh, is your understanding of these things yeah. now and how does that influence your work I mean first of all I think it's such a complicated issue and has so many layers that I don't feel like I, I can really talk about it much. But at the same time, the one thing that I've learned is that by not saying anything, you're kind of saying something as well, you know? Mm. Um, and so I'm trying, of course, more and more like to read books, to really learn about the history. I didn't really learn much about the history of America in Albania. So there's a lot that I'm learning. I'm currently reading a book actually about um, the 
an indigenous person writing about the history of the US, which is also very interesting. But there are a lot of things that, that I'm learning. And um, it's so nice because actually the DC music community is, is a place where I have made a lot of friends, a lot of African-American friends from DC. And it's been just such an enriching experience and such a beautiful way to learn from, from people about their experiences, about America in general. Um, so I'm very grateful that I've been plugged into this community since I came to DC. Yeah, well, it seems like music and like you're saying, that music community is, is that way to, um, to overcome so many of the social barriers historically. So but true. it's been a place that's been so thoroughly integrated and yet, you know, obviously not uh, untouched by racism and, and inequality and inequity and everything. Um, so it's great to hear that you've you've had that opportunity to, to explore some of these things. Yeah. With your, with and your actually, community. it's funny you say that because I, I was, was thinking for this for a while, since a lot of music that I sing is jazz, I was kind of wondering whether it's strange as not a black person to sing jazz. And I talked to some of my friends about it because especially I played at Mr. Henry's a few months ago and I really wanted to do one of Nina Simone's songs that I think we'll be talking about in a little bit. And it's one of the songs that, that was um, one of the main songs during the civil rights movement. And I just wasn't sure how it would come across, you know, for me to sing that song. But I really, really wanted to, to make a tribute to Nina Simone. So I spoke to my bass player, Michael Bowie, who is an incredible musician, local DC musician who played with Betty Carter, Abby Lincoln, Sarah Vaughan, incredible man. And I kind of asked him what he thought about it. And he said the most beautiful thing. He said that, as you say, music penetrates all these things. He said in the end, you know, like some people might get offended, some people might not get offended, but you are, it's all about your intention. And if your intention is really to bring across this music, then it doesn't matter what skin color you are. Mm -hmm. And yeah, as you say, like in some way, I have felt that a lot in the music community, that there is something beyond that brings people together, you know, to express this creativity. I wish I could give all I'm longing to give. I'm I could live like I'm longing to live. I wish I could do all the things that I can do. Though I'm way overdue, I'd be starting anew. Well, I wish I could be long.
what's the type of freedom that you feel like you're seeking at this point in your life? How does what do you what do you hear when you um, play that song? To be honest, for me, when I when I play that song, I'm actually not really thinking of myself, but thinking more of Nina Simone <laughs> and thinking of like our black brothers and sisters in the US. Like that's kind of what I think of when I sing that song. All the struggles and suffering that people have gone through. And in a way, like to me, in a way, it's it's kind of like a prayer. You know, that's why mm. when, when I was thinking about what songs inspire me that are not necessarily Baha'i songs, this to me is a sacred song. It's a prayer, even though the words are not necessarily right scriptures, holy scriptures. How do some of the themes of the song connect to your understanding of, of the Baha'i teachings on, on justice, in particular racial justice? I mean, Baha'is believe that no matter what race, what religion, we come from, right? We are all created from the same God. We are all supposed to see each other as brothers and sisters. And obviously it's something, it's almost like cliche to say, right? And it's almost cliche to, to think of it that way, but, but it is definitely something that when I think of that song, when I sing that song, I often think there's so much we still need to do as a community and as a world, right, to reach that point. But at the same time, it's an inspiration for me personally to to work harder towards that goal. You you were talking earlier about the responsibility that you felt as somebody singing that song, you know, not to yes. blithely, you know, just just uh, take it on as, as as a song, but really thinking about the weight behind it. Yes. Um, and I and I wanted to hear a bit more from you about um, as you are in the spaces that you're in right now and, and, and meeting people, how do those conversations come up about the responsibility of, of, um, I mean, certainly in the, in the, in the broader, uh, culture, there's, there, there's a lot of talk of, you know, what defines appropriation or, you know, um, um, who, as you said, has the right to, to be able to yeah. say certain things like this. But for you, as you're navigating those things, how do those conversations come up in your, um, in your, with your group and your bandmates, your community? To be honest, I have realized that for me, the, the best way to start the conversation is just to be honest, just to open up myself to my friends and say, look, this is how I feel. This is what, like, what do you think about this, you know, and try to understand what that person's experiences and and learn from them and actually i've my husband and i both have had so many incredible conversations in the last year or so with our friends sometimes four or five hours long we will just sit at home have coffee have lunch and talk about race you know talk about their experiences but i think in a way deciding about how to change something you first need to learn and understand the reality around you and I think because I didn't grow up here, that's kind of the step that I'm trying to take right now is really talk to as many people as I can and learn from them as much as possible to then see how, you know, I can be one of the people to help, um, yeah, change things. I think about the life I live, a figure made of clay. And think about the things I lost, the things I gave away. 
And when I'm in a certain mood I search the halls and look One night I found these magic words In a magic book So Give your life, give your love Each and every day And keep your hand wide open Let the sun shine through Cause you can never lose a thing If it belongs Another song that you you picked um, that that touches on these themes of of freedom uh, is Abby Lincoln's "Throw It Away," and I I mean I have loved Abby Lincoln since I first heard Afro Blue in in college. I'm curious what what first attracted you to to her music. So. When I was at this jazz workshop in Italy, this was one of the first jazz tunes that I learned. Mm. And we sang it at the final concert. So it was one of the first introductions to jazz music for me. And when I started playing with Michael Bowie and I found out that he actually toured with Abby, I think for like 10, 15 years and recorded with her as a bass player. I was just, I don't know. I was so excited and really wanted to play that tune with him. So I've actually been playing it with him in most of our gigs, and it's been an amazing experience. It's been a wonderful experience also to just learn about jazz through playing jazz. I'm realizing that a lot of things that you learn about jazz are not, you know, through a book. And I want to share just one little story that really, really changed everything for me. Um, So the first time I played... Because I started playing with a band maybe last year when I was an artist in resident at Strathmore. And the very first time when I rehearsed with Michael and a few other people for the Strathmore concert, um, I was rehearsing this particular tune with Michael. And then I was like, okay, so we can do the tune. And then at the end, we sing the end three times and then we're done. And then he looks at me and he says, no, we're not going to do it three times. (laughs) And I was thinking, okay, maybe he wants to do it twice or four times. And he said... This is not pop music. We are going to do it as many times as we feel like we want to do it in that Mm. moment when we perform it. And I was just so touched by that idea of music not being this, you know, this like structured thing that you do because this is what the paper says, but it's all about the feeling in the moment, you know? We ended up doing it five times, I think, that night (laughs) at the performance. But just this idea that jazz is... Is something different, you know? And um, now I lost my train of thought. But that was the point I wanted to make. <laughs> <laughs> no, I think it's uh, getting getting lost in it is probably part of the lesson also. Exactly. Right? <laughs> <laughs> oh, yeah, throw it away. So that was the lesson I learned from throw it away. And when I think of the title, I also often think of just throwing away, you know, as I just mentioned, all these like, ideas like preconceived ideas of what music is supposed to be throwing away all the negativity all the things that we don't really need in our lives like throwing away yeah everything that just like keeps us paralyzed or keeps us from growing or keeps us from moving on it's so interesting to hear you talk about your discovery 
with jazz because listening to you, you're, I mean, you're such a polished performer and, and, you know, have this sounds like just a very natural aptitude for it. Um, and, and so it's really just interesting to, to, to think about, about, um, how you're, you know, you're learning on your feet, you're learning at the, <laughs> at the keyboard oh, yeah. at the same time. Yeah. Especially because you also have this, um, other line of focus in your life, which is mathematics. Mm-hmm. And I, I'm, I'm neither a jazz musician nor a mathematician, <laughs> but I, I wonder if, if there's, is there a, what you were referring to about the sort of the structured way to do things. And this is the way that you do things. Is that something that you find in your, your, your math life and then, and then find, uh, the, you know, liberating in, in, in the music side of things that you could oh, be free of that. That's very interesting. Um, so I, I'm, I don't know how to say this, but <laughs> I used to study very pure and abstract mathematics until about two years ago. So I was doing very theoretical math. And some mathematicians argue that pure math is actually art, not science. Uh -huh. And um, when I was in my bachelor degree, one of my professors once told us that when you're trying to solve a problem, there is this moment, this spark of creativity that comes where you realize the solution. So in a, in a way, I feel like pure mathematics, like abstract mathematics, is actually very artistic and you have to be very creative. And I don't, of course, there are like certain structures and things, but I don't, in my mind, I wouldn't necessarily think of those when I think of math. But recently I've shifted more towards applied math and programming. And I do think that there, there is a lot of structure that you need to kind of um, abide to. But I must say, I struggle with that. So, <laughs> so yeah, I, but it's interesting. I definitely do think there are certain things that my brain kind of, um, you know, like uses one part of it for math and then the other part for music. But I also do think there are certain things that are kind of similar between the two. And yeah. there's definitely the same reason that I'm attracted to music is that same reason that I love math, for sure. Yeah. It's great that it's a beautiful thing that you have um, these skills in these two different areas that that can um, you know satisfy you potentially in in different ways you know yeah. depending on on but but are sound exciting to explore and and yeah. to to dive into. No, I mean I decided I realized actually a few years ago when I was at Berkeley College of Music that. I, I first only studied math, I was missing music. I went to Berkeley, I was missing math. Now I'm doing both and I'm so happy. And <laughs> I actually want to say this because for the people who are listening, I, I feel like there are, again, so many things that society or social norms dictate that, oh, you can only do this one thing. Or, you know, like from an early age, especially in Albania, I felt like it's like, oh, you're into music or you're a scientist or you're this. But actually, and I think I also thought it would be impossible to do a PhD in mathematics and do music at the same time. But it is possible. I mean, you figure it out. And as long as you know what makes you happy and what you're trying to give to the world, you, you figure out your own future. Hmm. 
what is the joy that you get from um, playing music that you you don't find in in mathematics and and vice versa? What do you find in math that you're you're not able to satisfy just by playing music? Your questions are great, by the way. Thanks. <laughs> you're making me think about a lot of things. Um, music is more of an emotional thing for me, so it's more my heart, my passion. You know, I'm not really thinking of what I'm doing. And actually for a very long time, I was very opposed to learning music theory because I was worried that it would take away from that love that I have for music if I understood what was actually going on. Mm. Whereas mathematics is the opposite. It's all about using my mind, right, to solve a problem. So I feel like in that way, they're satisfying two very different parts of my soul and my brain. Yeah. Yeah. And and I I, I wonder if jazz becomes then that that beautiful place for those two things to play together I I, think I, so. I don't know if you'd get the same thing if you were as attracted to like playing three chord punk rock music or something <laughs> I think that there's, there's something in jazz that that probably helps yeah, no, uh, the two come together yeah is there is for you is there a spiritual lesson in that as well do you find that there there are some of the spiritual teachings that you know have you've said like you said have been um you know such a core part of your identity from from very young that you also find um uh validated in 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 your work in math and in, in the jazz world definitely i mean this idea of confirmation, right? Like if we're trying as human beings to do something or pursue something that, again, our intentions are to in some way, shape or form serve humanity, I think we are confirmed in our work. And I have definitely felt that so much in music in the last two years. Um, yeah, there've been so many moments where doors have opened, you know, out of nowhere and things have happened. And I feel the same in math as well, because I think that as a woman, especially, um, my role is very much to inspire younger females who are in STEM, because there are not many women still who are studying mathematics, at least in my department, there weren't that many. So I do definitely feel that. And I do think that I do often think as a Baha'i, like, how can I serve the younger community? How can I inspire the younger community to, you know, to, to realize that they can also do this? I feel like oftentimes when I was teaching, at the University of Maryland, I would see younger females, like the students, they would come to my office hours, you know, and, and I would explain something and they would be so excited and they'd be like, oh, this is so easy. But in class, they wouldn't ever talk because all the guys were talking over them. But, and then I was like, you know, sometimes I wonder if my role as a female is, is to be in that position to encourage the younger generation to, to thrive. Mm. 
This final song that you you picked from your album, which I've heard you play a, a few times, it's another uh, Baha'i prayer in Albanian, and I I don't even know how to pronounce the, <laughs> the name of it. Can you pronounce the name? Yes, of the, it's Kriim. Kriim. Yeah. Okay, so the the J in in Albanian is pronounced like a Y. Is that right? Yeah. Yeah. Got it. Okay. So t- tell tell us about Kriim. What what is uh <laughs> what what is this song about? Do you want the honest um, reply or <laughs> do you Always. want the honest truth? Okay. Music is about honesty, right? So you have to be. <laughs> well, actually, I need to thank you about for this one, Jack, because this song <laughs> was created because of you and because of a deadline. I work very well with deadlines, <laughs> I'm realizing. But one day you gave me a call and you asked me to sing a few tunes for Baha'i Blog. Yeah, that was so much fun. We recorded a handful of our friends from the DC Baha'i community performing for a video series on the website Baha'i Blog. And we were able to do it right next door at Tono Park Studios. And I did not have enough tunes. (laughs) So the night before, I sat at the piano and I was like, oh no, I need to write a tune for tomorrow. So that's how this one came about. Are you kidding? No. <laughs> That's amazing because you've played it at so many places now. You have you played it at the Strathmore. Yeah, I actually have completely forgotten about that. So That's incredible. It was definitely thanks to you. <laughs> yeah. I'm putting that on my 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 credits for my resume. I expect to be in the liner notes on your album. <laughs> I initially was not going to put that song on my album. I wasn't even thinking of putting that song on my album because I already had one song in Albanian. I didn't want to do too many in Albanian. But um, when I was in Albania, I was supposed to record an album for, Stra- sorry, a concert for Strathmore during COVID when I was an artist there, but I had to do it in an empty hall because of COVID. Um, I was supposed to fly back to the US just to record that. 
And so I asked the people at Strathmore, I was like, can I not record it in Albania if I find a good venue and a good audio and video and everything? So they said, sure. So my best friend used to work on national TV. So I ended up recording the concert at the venue, well, at national TV, and they loved it and put it on national TV, like the whole concert with subtitles. And the audio engineer for that performance was actually the same person who I ended up recording my album with while I was there. And while I was in the studio recording with him, he had kind of edited the songs from the concert and he was like, Shada, you have to put the song in because I sang it at that concert. He's like, you have to put the song on the album. I was like, no, really? He's like, yeah, yeah, you have to put it. Like, (laughs) there is so much emotion coming through it, like in this live version, just put it as a live recording from that concert. And so he kind of like convinced me (laughs) (laughs) to put it on the album. What are the lyrics of the song? And, and, um, you know, you had the other, you you made the choice to, to, to uh, do the other two prayers that you talked about before in Spanish. Why choose to do this mm-hmm. one in Albanian also? It's funny because Albanian is my first language. It's not my mother tongue. I speak German to my mom, but I went to school in Albania, you know, and I feel a very deep connection to the language and I love the language. And um, so it, it feels very intimate to me to sing in Al- Albanian. And the the words of this quote talk about they basically in english it says i loved thy creation hence i created thee so this idea that god or some people think the universe or whoever created us out of love and so for me that's just such a such an encouraging and inspiring thing to think about is that we are actually all in this world because of love like that's such a powerful thing and because of the words being kind of like this relationship or connection between you as an individual and God, I kind of felt like I wanted that to be an Albanian. Mm. That's a beautiful feeling to have. I mean, you said that you recorded this uh, as part of the live TV show. It clearly mm-hmm. made an impression on your your producer. Um, is, is there something, have you received strong feedback from the Albanian community about this song? Oh, yes. I mean, I don't want to brag about it too much but (laughs) i albania is a small place and um the brother of the producer is the manager of one of the most famous albanian pop stars who is well known in the whole albanian world around the world and she contacted me on instagram because he sent her this tune Mm. and i thought it was a scam because i was like why (laughs) would she contact me Anyway, long story short, I ended up going into her studio. We wanted to do a collaboration, but then it didn't work out in the end. We're still in touch. But I mean, it it went to the point that obviously this tune must have inspired the sound engineer so much to share it with her, right? Um, And with other people as well. But that was kind of like the biggest thing that came out of that. Um, And it was really nice because actually when I went to see her in the studio, I ended up being able to share with her a lot about the Baha'i faith as well and about what inspired me to write these songs. So it was a very, very nice conversation we had. So how have you approached sharing your work with a wider audience um, that is at its base, you know, religious in nature because because the text is coming from the Baha'i writings? Yeah, you know, 
it's it's interesting because I'm kind of in this phase as a musician where my main purpose as a musician is really to share this music and share my thoughts, which are obviously inspired by the Baha'i faith, right? With as many people as possible. But I do not want to be boxed into being a religious musician. Mm. So I'm actually trying to move away from that, move away from being a Baha'i musician to being just a musician. And then using that network and that following to then share my thoughts as a Baha'i. And actually, when I was in Albania, I had the chance to give multiple TV and radio interviews after this concert that was transmitted online um, on TV. And on all of those interviews, everybody was fascinated by the fact that my family moved to Albania to help establish the Baha'i faith. So I ended up talking about the faith on most of the main TV channels in Albania. And most of the people had never heard about the Baha'i faith. So actually 90% of the conversation ended up being about principles of the Baha'i faith. Like one of the TV interviews, the woman was like, I mentioned science and religion walking hand in hand as being one of the principles. She was like, wait, 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 can we talk about that? How does that work? So then we had a whole conversation about that. So in a way, I think even if my music has shifted and even if I'm now trying to sing songs that are not necessarily using Baha'i quotes, right? Like jazz music, Albanian music, my own compositions. My intention is still to be able to share what I believe during my interviews and during other things. So, yeah, I don't know if that answers your question. But. No, for sure, for sure. Do you feel like there is a distinction for you between being a Baha'i musician and a musician who happens to be a Baha'i? Are there differences? I think so. I, I I think until a few years ago, I was a Baha'i musician, but now I don't want to be a Baha'i <laughs> I mean, I'm, I am a Baha'i, but I'm also a Baha'i and I'm a mathematician. You know what I mean? Yeah. I'm not a Baha'i mathematician. So I think in a way it's, I want people to be touched by my music and then wonder what does this person believe mm. that makes her music this? You know, um, so yeah, for me, there is a difference. People are more open to hear something that they connect to and then hear about your story rather than you just saying, okay, I'm going to sing some religious music for you now. Then I feel like that puts a lot of people off, you know, um, whereas the other way I think opens up their hearts and then gives you the opportunity to share something. The focus of this series, the theme of this series um, that I'm calling Soul Ladder Music is around this quote from the Baha'i writings, which I'm, I'm sure you're familiar with, which says that music uh, is like a ladder for our souls. Mm -hmm. And I'm curious what that image of a ladder for the soul, music being a ladder for the soul, how does that resonate with you? How do you think about that as you go through your days? Yeah, I mean, I think it, it resonates with me 100% based on what I was saying earlier that every time I play music, I just feel like I'm praying. Um, I play music, I feel like I'm praying. I feel like music for me is definitely something that brings me to a place beyond. And actually, that's why my album is called Higher Grounds, because music brings me to this place, to these higher grounds, in a way. Um, so, yeah, I, I definitely think that's such a beautiful analogy. And I'm sure a lot of people feel the same way. 
Well, thank you so much for taking the time to, to talk to me about this. It's been fun to explore these and to hear your stories. And uh, I'm so excited for, for all the all the success that you're you're receiving. Um, cer certainly in Albania and, and hopefully here in the U.S. <laughs> as well. We'll see you on TV soon. <laughs> thank you. I, I will actually say for the people who live in D.C., I'm going to be playing at Blues Alley on October 10th. So I'm really excited about that. Also playing a so far show in September. Um, oh, great! But they told me that I'm allowed to say that I'm playing, but not share the location. So that's right. It's a secret. <laughs> secret. Yeah, yeah, yeah. How how is it how has it been for you transitioning to doing uh, live events? Because so much of this has been happening during during the pandemic, and uh, and and now you're getting out and you're playing at these iconic jazz venues, particularly yeah. in the DC area. Honestly, it's been, as you say, I'm learning on my feet. You know, I went from performing alone most of my life to suddenly being a band leader, having to write out sheet music, having to tell the band what I want things to sound like. It's been a huge learning experience, but it's been amazing. I mean, it makes such a difference to play with a band than play on your own. And I never knew that because I had never experienced it, you know. So I I've been very, very lucky, very, very excited to play with incredible talent and yeah, at really nice venues. So really excited. Great. I'm looking forward to coming out to see you soon. Yeah. Some of these shows coming up. Thank you. Thanks for making the climb with me this week on Soul Ladder Music. You can find Doa's new album, Higher Grounds, on most streaming platforms and on her website, doasings.com, D-O-A-S-I-N-G-S.com. If you're enjoying this series of conversations, be sure to listen to the entire Soul Ladder music series on your podcast platform of choice. I'll have links to the songs in this episode in the show notes. And be sure to check out the Soul Ladder music playlist on Spotify for a running list of all the music played during the series. Thanks as always to Jeff Philosopher for providing our theme music. And keep tuning in to WOWD 94.3 FM, Tacoma Radio, for great music and programs. Seven days a week, streaming online at tacomaradio.org. <laughs>